This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Thank you. All you first responders, we pray blessings on you and we appreciate and value what you do. And I'm honored to say today, God bless America. I still believe in our nation. And so I encourage you to continue to pray for our land and God will move. Well, if you need a Bible, once you raise your hands, our ushers would gladly get you one. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Psalms, the, the 34th Psalm. As you're turning there, we are now several weeks, probably six weeks into our wilderness series. We're going to hit another one today, and I, I pray that this ministers to your heart, but also gives you some healing in your heart, and that God would stir back up the gifts within every one of us. So as you're turning to Psalms 34, a lot today will be about King David, his life, and so Uh, When you look at King David's life, the interim years, and what I mean about the interim years, uh, the time from when he was anointed to king until he would become king was approximately 13 years. And those 13 years weren't wasted years, but they were years of development and years of preparation to prepare him for to be the king. But in that time frame... David could probably stand before us today and say, I've, I've been used, I've been abused, and I've been falsely accused. And that could be you in here today. And when I read the stories of King David in those interim years of his life, I, I really don't know that anyone experienced the persecution and the rejection he did in that span. Sometimes it's more than most of us experience in all our life. And so it's something that we can learn from. And, and as I studied on these passages, one of the things that I did is I put myself in the story. And I can tell you this, I, I have to ask myself sometimes, how would I responded in the situations that David was in? And I can tell you right now, there have been areas in my life I'd have probably flunked. But it's good to put yourself in there. So we begin in, in Psalm 34, verse 19. Many... Not a few, but many are the afflictions or the troubles of the righteous. Now, just because you're born again and know Jesus is Lord of your life, I'm not exempt from afflictions and troubles. I'm going to experience afflictions and troubles. This verse here is cross-referenced to Proverbs 24, verse 7. says, a righteous man may fall seven times. But he gets back up. The question isn't, am I going to have opportunities to fall? The question is always, will I get back up and how will I get back up? He ends this verse and says, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Period. And so I put hope in you this morning to say, God is still the God who who delivers us out of them all. If I don't quit, if I don't give up. And so what we're going to talk about today is some, uh, some more character tests on the road to the wilderness. And you'll hear me highlight today uh, uh, things that have to do with rejection. Again, King David was rejected incredibly. 
He was rejected at a young age, even by his brothers. If you remember when, when Samuel came and anointed him to be the next king, he was approximately 17 years old. And when that happened, his brothers didn't excel, uh, celebrate that. Actually, they rejected him. They didn't like it taking place. And, and I say this today that some of you in here that are young or you consider yourself young, just understand this. That when you serve Jesus, get ready, you're going to be rejected. Not hope so, not maybe so, not feel sorry. You're going to be rejected just because you stand for Jesus Christ. And I highlight that this morning because I believe there's some of you in here that at your school right now, you make a stand for Jesus, you're going to be rejected, especially in the society we live in. But it doesn't end just in your teenage years. When you go to work and you make a stand for Jesus, you're going to be rejected. And so again, this is some of the things that I believe God began to infuse into King David to prepare him for the throne that he would be on later on in his life. And so when I look at some of these, these are tipping points. And what I mean by tipping points Are the circumstances that oppose me today, do they oppose my destiny? Do they try to get me off track? Do they try to make you quit, give up, or surrender? And so the one today is you're going to see this over and over, and I will highlight it. King David was rejected, he was rejected, and he was rejected, and he was rejected, and I could just keep going with that word over and over again. So go with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22. Now as we turn to 1 Samuel 22, I'm, I'm going to be in and out of 1 Samuel 22 to 1 Samuel 30, and I'm going to highlight some of the passages. I wish I could really sit on this uh, the whole morning, but we're going to hit some things that you'll begin to take place. So not only was rejected by his brothers, Remember, he goes up to the battlefront to fight Goliath. And his oldest brother, Eliab, scolds him again. What are you doing up here? He rejects him again. King Saul rejects him. Remember when King Saul looked at him and found out he was the one that was going to fight Goliath. And King Saul said, listen, dude, you're nothing but a punk kid. You don't have a chance against him. He rejected him again. And so you're going to begin to see this over and over. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. David therefore departed from there, and that was from the Philistine area, from Gath, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Now, I don't really believe this was the army that David dreamed about being captain over. And the reason I say that is when you look at the three Ds that highlight their life, it says these men were, first of all, they were in distress. They were in debt or they had creditors after them. And then it says it was they were discontented or better yet, bitter of soul. So David's army is now society's rejects. These are the misfits. These are ones that no one else wanted. But it's interesting to me, this shows David's heart for people. David embraced them. David loved them. 
And I look at the Lord Jesus, his life. Remember the Lord Jesus, they would say, why do you hang out with sinners? Why do you hang out with the the tax collectors? And again, it gave me a glimpse of King David's heart. It was like, I just love people. And I want to be good to people. And so this is how King David's life starts right here. And ultimately, these 400 men would be known as David's mighty men. They were men of courage. They did incredible exploits for the kingdom of God. And so this is how it begins. Now turn with me to 1 Samuel 27. 1 Samuel chapter 27. And so one of the highlights of the stories I go through here is there's an Israeli city called Keli. And the Philistines were on the verge of attacking Keli. And David has the thought, do I go in and help them? But David had this, this discipline in his life that he wouldn't go do things without inquiring of the Lord. That's big for me and you to learn. That just because things look good in the natural, I still got to inquire of the Lord. And so he inquired of the Lord and he said, Lord, do you want me to go up and help him? Do you want me to go up and protect him? And the Lord said, go. And so he goes up and he protects him from a, a Philistine invasion. And after he protects him, he gets word that King Saul is going to come after him. And he asked the Lord this. He said, will the people of Keilah, will they deliver me into their hands or into Saul's hands? And the Lord said, they will. Now I want you to think about that just for a second. The very people, his own people, the Israelites, that, that he had protected, he had defended, they turn on him. They reject him. And so as I'm looking at that, I think many times in our lives, we've had people that were so-called Christians, believers. At times, they'll turn on you. But when I look at this in King David's life, it didn't stop him. 1 Samuel 27, verse number 1. And King David said in his heart, Now I shall perish somebody by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistine. And Saul will despair of me. He will not search for me any longer to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, the king of Gath. I want you to listen real close to something right here that I see. Where does it say he goes? He goes to the nation or the area of Gath. Gath was the hometown of a man named Goliath. So the things in David's life are so bad that he leaves Israel and he goes to this place called Gath, which was the home of the Philistines. And as I read that part, I begin to think, was King David at a place in his life where he said, but, but Father God, what about the dream of being the next king? What about you anointing me as the next king? Have you forgotten me, God? And that may be you today. You may say, Father God, have you forgotten me? What about the things that you put in my heart years ago? God doesn't give up on us. And I want you to note something in there. Who was with King David when he went to Gath? Look what it says. And they went over with him, the 600 men. So those misfits were still hanging out with David. 
And he's in exile here. Verse 3. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, each man with his household. And David with his two wives, the Hinnom, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Then David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your lives, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? Now, this is what David is saying to this Philistine king, Achish. He calls himself a servant. He said, I'm your servant. Verse 6, so Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And when you see Ziklag, Ziklag is the place between the, the, the calling and the destiny. Now, look at verse 7 because it says something interesting. Now, the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. So 16 months have passed. And he's in Ziklag. Now sometimes when we think 16 months. And that's a long time. But again I want to highlight that. That the 16 months in Ziklag. They weren't wasted years. They were years of preparation. But again. David could throw his arms up before God and say. Have you forgotten me? Do you even notice me anymore, Father God? 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 1. Now it happened in those days that the Philistine gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, you surely know that you will go out with me to battle you and your men. So David said to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. In other words, this ungodly king, he valued David. But I want you to note something in verse 1. The Philistines were going to fight. And who were they going to fight against? It says the Israelites. And so David's life is so bad at this point that he's going to battle with these ungodly Philistines against his own people. It almost looks like he's given up hope on anything. Remember, he's the anointed next king of Israel, but yet now he's at a place in his life where he's going to go fight against them. So what begins to take place is David gets ready to go to battle with Achish. And some of the leaders of the Philistines, they look and say, what are those Hebrews doing with the armies of the Philistine? And then they realize it's David. And they said, what's he doing with him? We can't let him go to battle with us. 1 Samuel 29, verse number 9. Then Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to battle. Now therefore, rise early in the morning with your master servants who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning, have the light depart. So David and his men rose early to part in the morning to the return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now I want to highlight some things here. It's very, very hard when someone in your life that you look up to rejects you. 
And maybe that's happened to you in this room. That's what happened to David with King Saul. He looked up to Saul. Remember, David was Saul's armor bearer. But Saul continued to reject him. It's even real bad when your own people begin to reject you. Maybe that's happened to you in your own home. Maybe you've had ones that when you started turning to God and looking to God, they didn't like you anymore. They got mad. They even rejected. You know, there's a man in our church that when he gave his heart to Jesus, his mother disowned him. His mother wanted nothing to do with him. Even to this day, it's the same. And so that's what happened to King David. Not only does Saul reject him, but the people of Israel rejects him. Now, you know when life is really bad? When your own enemies even start rejecting you. And this is what happens to him again. Here he wants to fight with the Philistines. And you know what they say? We don't want you. You're of no value to us. And so again, he fights rejection. And I wonder at this time in his life if he's not saying, Father God, do do you even realize what's happening with me anymore? Can life get any worse? How many of you have ever had a moment in your life where you've thought or you said, can my life get any worse right now? Every one of us had had those experiences. Now we're going to 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to be here this morning and I'm going to be here next week because there's so many valuable lessons but kingdom nuggets in here that we learn. So we start in 1 Samuel 30 verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Malachites invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and they burned it with fire. I want you to remember what's going on. He wanted to go to war with the Philistines against Israel, but they wouldn't let him. So while he's with the Philistines, the Amalekites, they come back from another direction and they attack Ziklag, which was his home. Verse 2. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. Did they not kill anyone? But they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. Now think about this. He's been rejected and he's been rejected. And the Philistines reject him. And they send him back home. And he's coming over this hill. And he's got these 600 misfits with him. And they begin to look and say, that looks like smoke. And they say, that smells like the smell of smoke. And when they look down on the city, their home is burned with fire. And it goes on to say at the end of verse 3, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Could life get any worse? Now, I've had bad days in my life. I've had bad hair days in my life. You may not believe that, but I have. But I've never had a day like this. Where the most valuable possessions that God has blessed me with are no longer there. I have wife, singular, not plural. Wife, kids. Think about this. You go home today. Your home was burned to the ground. All your clothes, all your appliances, your vehicles, all your, your pictures, all the memories, everything wiped out in one day. Totally gone. 
And so does David say, I don't understand what's going on in my life, Father God. Verse number four. Then David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices and they wept and they had no more power to weep. And as I read that, something begins to happen. They begin to weep until they had no more power to weep. And you see how their emotions were taking place. Incredible sorrow, incredible grief, resentment and anger. Now I want to highlight something about these men with him. These weren't a bunch of pansies or wimps. These were guys who knew how it was to fight and to war. These were his mighty men. These were men who would cut off your ear and then pick up the ear and talk to it. They were bad to the bone. But they were so moved with pain. They were so moved with it that they couldn't cry no more. And so as I read this about King David, I have the thought, could life get any worse? God doesn't create the evil, but he uses this time to put something within every one of us' arsenal. He puts something within every one of us. And I believe what that is, is when people call out and say, Father God, i, I got to have your grace in this time. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And part of the other side, I believe in your arsenal, he puts an unwavering faith that says, I don't understand what's happening, but I trust in God. I trust in you, Father God, even in the worst day of my life. Verse 6. Now, David was greatly distressed. Would you agree with me? That's probably an understatement. David was greatly distressed, comma. Do I give up? Do I quit? Do I pull the covers up over my head? Do I call in sick today? David was greatly distressed, comma. Another moment that says, can life get any worse? Another moment where you put your hands up and say, but Father God, what about anointing me as king? He was greatly distressed, comma. And then look what takes place. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. And when you see the phrase there, for the people spoke of stoning him, who was the people? They were the misfits. They were the rejects of society. They were the nobodies. They were the very ones that he had been good to. They were the very ones that he had provided for, he had protected, he had loved, and he had welcomed their children. And now, when life gets bad, they blame him and they want to kill him. You know life is bad when society's misfits, when society's rejects, reject you. Could have gotten any worse. 
And so when I look at this right here, you begin to see something about humanity. And I believe David really understood that. That people's memory is short. And it's fickle. And friendship is very fragile. And I think this is something that every one of us must understand this. It's not uncommon for people's loyalty to dissipate. Sometimes people bless you when they come into your life. And sometimes people bless you when they exit your life. (laughs) And as I read this, I think, what did David do? How did David handle this, this moment in his life? Let me reference a couple scriptures here. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 says, Jesus was rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Luke 17, 25, Jesus first must suffer many things and be rejected by people. And I don't celebrate people rejecting us, but if Jesus was rejected, And King David was rejected. And I can show you Moses was rejected. Me and you are going to be rejected. And when I look at the rejection, it's another area in my life that is that rejection there trying to keep me from from fulfilling the destiny that God's given me. Is that rejection coming at me to cause me to quit? Is it coming at me to cause me to give up? And so, every one of us in this life, we're going to experience offenses and we're going to experience this rejection. And so, when this rejection comes, you've got some choices to make. I can't curse it. I can't nurse it. I can't rehearse it. But I must disperse it. And through the grace of God, I reverse it. And I say, Father God, I don't understand every bit of this. But you said your grace is sufficient in my weakness. And David, at one of the most down and dark times of his life, when it seems like every direction he looks at, every person he makes eye contact with, rejects him. Now i got to stop right there this week. You don't want to miss next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. You young ones don't have a clue what that means, I know. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now as you're turning to Romans chapter 8, I'm going to make a huge statement here. It takes strong character to support big destiny. Strong character... To support big destiny. And in this season of rejection and re- I believe it was molding this man. Molding him, molding him. And you know what he began to see? My eyes are on God. I'm looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Hebrews 12, 2. I got to keep my eyes on Jesus. Listen, if I look to man's approval, I'm going to get let down. And when man starts rejecting me, if I continue to allow that to affect, it's going to get you. 
Now, I told you earlier, I put myself in this story. When his mighty men rejected him and began to blame him, I'm going to be very transparent for you right here with my life. I looked, and you know what my first thought was? Paybacks are rough, boys. If it's the last thing I do on this earth, I'm going to get even with all 600 of you knuckleheads. Human nature. But again, I can't ever find where David did that. He would always look to God. Even in the midst of rejection. Romans 8, verse 28. Now get ready. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who were called according to his purpose. God's desire is not to make you happy. God's desire is to fulfill the purpose he has for you. And to fulfill the purpose that's literally a deliberate plan of God. Even in hardship. Even in trouble. Even in rejection. Even on the worst day of your life. God desires to put his purpose within us. And part of that is a maturing of your character. You want to see something interesting in that verse? That promise is not for everybody, okay? It's not. Read it again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. When I say, Father God, I don't understand everything, but I love you. I don't love you for what you do for me. I love you for who you are. You're the God who said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Even when things don't look right. Even as we things, no matter what I see, no matter what I feel. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see. The word of God is working mightily inside of me. Tia, I got to hold on to that. And I'm not saying this morning that the rejection that you have in your heart, the rejection, it's not real. I'm not saying that at all. It's real. And I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you've been rejected by a parent. Maybe you've been rejected by a mother or father. Maybe you've been rejected by someone you looked up to. Maybe you've been rejected by someone who called himself a Christian even though they had horns on their head. Maybe you're experiencing rejection right now in this time of your life. Remember this. God's not the author of that. But God's going to work something in you where you look and say, it doesn't move me. When I go to the orphanage in, New, in Mexico, I can get around those orphans. And I sense the spirit of rejection. I sense the spirit of abandonment. You know why? Because they got moms and dads for some reason couldn't take care of them. And what I see in those kids is that rejection that says, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And I see that creeping into the church of America more and more. What's wrong with me? Let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with you. What's happened to you because that spirit of rejection, you buy into a lie from the devil and the devil gets you in a headlock and he gets you where you're so moved because of that rejection, you can never move toward your purpose or your destiny. I believe our God is a God who raises the dead. And you know what he wants to do today? 
He wants to raise some of the dreams, the purposes, the destinies that you've had for your life. And some of you have quit on them. You've given up. But today's a new day. Today's a new day. And no matter what you see, no matter what you... Our God is bigger than that. Why don't you stand up here today? Our God is a big God. Pastor, you ever experienced rejection? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember Sunday standing right up here and I'm preaching. And when you tell the truth of the word of God, sometimes people don't like to hear the truth. I want the truth. Well, you can't handle the truth. And I watch people get up and walk out. And 10 years ago, it would really affect me. And one day the Lord said to me, he said, listen, you've got to understand this. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the word of God that's coming out of you. They're rejecting me. And that's what happens many times. When you make a stand for Jesus, people are going to reject you. With them, especially right now in America. Why don't you bow your head with me? If you've had that, that rejection on you. And as they begin to sing this, I, I welcome you to, to respond to God because God's wanting to put in your arsenal today a grace. God's wanting to put in you a, a faith that says, I'm not moved. God's wanting to put in you a Romans 8. If God be for me, who can be against me? God's wanting to breathe. He's wanting those dreams, those purposes to come back alight. And he's wanting to breathe on you again to fulfill the race. And so part of this rejection is, does it cause me to quit? Or does it put on the inside of me an endurance that says, you know what? I'm not going anywhere. I'm in for the long haul. Because my God is faithful. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.